Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my partner in crime, main man, oldest friend in the world, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? Man, I'm feeling good. Thank you for that introduction, Foltz. That was a good one. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm feeling the electricity, the energy here in Studio 1B tonight, as always. I mean, it's it's amplified. We, it, uh, it's a good feel tonight, for sure. It's good. We got uh, what we believe is a good... Good, good podcast. Nice little barn burner. Really one that'll uh, help you challenge the way that you think, because uh, you know you have to challenge things that you've been taught sometimes your whole life. Just because you've been taught something or it's always been that way doesn't necessarily make it so. Absolutely. I mean, there is a, a term. Uh, that gets floated out there becoming awoke uh, awakening and that part of that is to shrug the things that you've been taught your whole life sometimes just because something's been said to you over and over again doesn't make it right that's actually i couldn't have said it better myself steve perfect and uh, so yeah so we're just uh, subtle beast is asking you to maybe to stretch your minds a little bit tonight maybe uh uh, you know, just just keep your mind open to uh, some possibilities, and maybe you're going to hear some similarities into some things that you were taught uh, growing up, and uh, that you may even still have these same beliefs today. And uh, of course, this podcast isn't about changing anybody's beliefs. We're just producing information that's out there that that, that well, the things that make you go hmm. So. That's what we're here to do, to deliver the information, and as always, you be the judge. What, what way is it? Is it this way? Is it that way? Is it your way? Is it his way? <laughs> it's true. Fultz, there is, uh, there's certain things that are kind of uh, Im- embedded in all of humans, and, and one of those things uh, is an age-old question, and the question I think that many people think about humanity is, where do we come from? Well, of course. I mean, it is. It's an important question, and it's asked all the time. Where do we come from? What is our purpose here? Um, you know, basic uh, biblical scholars and archaeologists believe that uh, that life began on, on the Tigris and Euphrates River, which, um, which is in, uh, uh, I believe, today's lower Iraq. And uh, some believe that uh, that actually may be the uh, location of the Garden of Eden. So the Garden of Eden, that's a, a common well, sure. place that, you know, people think, uh, where did, where do we come from? Where, where did humanity start? That's something that's been taught to us is that humanity started in the Garden of Eden. Well, sure, because we got both ends of the spectrum looking into it. We have the biblical scholars and we have the archaeologists, so we have the, the scientific side as well. So we got both sides of the coin, of the argument, uh, for the lack of a better term, discussing uh, the location of the, the Garden of Eden. So with that, though, um, there is a mountain, a massive mountain called the Black Mountain of Karados, uh, which is at the highest point in Turkey. Now, this place was always overlooked as the, as the location of the Garden of Eden by, by many archaeologists and biblical scholars. Um, but there's a lot of signs today from ancient script that it's pointing in that direction. So... People might say, okay, well, if that's the beginning, if, if, if the Black Mountain of Caritas is the highest point, was overlooked, and it's possibly the Garden of Eden, then uh, how, is that, like, uh, the, how, how is that different from anything else uh, that, that we were taught throughout our existence about the Garden of Eden? Well, simply put, uh, that the, the ancient text, the ancient Sumerian text, have stated that ETs came to settle at the top of, of Kerados to determine what, if any, civilizations were around. And many scholars say these beings came from, came from the Pleiades star cluster and had to leave because of, of wars. Now, uh, these people, these beings were known as, uh, as the Anus or, or, or the Anunnaki. And what they were in, in search for was, uh, was gold. And they needed to, uh, of course, they, 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 they fled because of war, but they also needed gold for their home planet to, um, 
to build a to build a atmosphere reflector. Is that correct, Steve? Right. So the the atmosphere of their home planet uh, became deficient in uh, the reflective material that they needed to prevent the radiation from the sun to come in and destroy them. So they uh, went out into the universe uh, in search for resources. And when they saw Earth, uh, they came down to the Black Mountain of Karados. Um, and when they touched down at the top of it, the highest point in Turkey, and you can see that on Google Earth. You can go to the uh, Google Earth in Turkey, Black Mount of Karados. There's a large plateau at the top of it. Uh, it has yet to be explored by men. Uh, they they say that it's due to that area being highly politically unstable. Fultz and I kind of talked about it, and we think that it's more or less that there are uh, people guarding that area because it's a sacred area. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a, it's a really sacred area. Um, now, when we were discussing uh, the uh, the we were discussing the Anunnaki. Now, uh, they were uh, they were uh, not just a just a singular beings. They were they were a group of in, uh, intelligent and technological beings that uh, assisted in uh, the creation of humanity. Now, a lot of people say, "Well, what what do you mean exactly?" They they helped out these extraterrestrials helped out these Anunnaki helped out with the creation of humanity. Well, well, how? Well, yeah, I mean that's what a lot of people have. Now, what the the ancient Sumerian texts have stated or have been translated to uh, to relay is that humankind began with a sacrifice of a supreme god or quote unquote extraterrestrial and his blood or DNA mixed with the elements of the earth to create viable human beings. Now these beings could clone anything, including their enemies. Now uh, the Anunnaki, they had these enemies that were referred to as the Kimus um, and they, they used some chemo genes and actually in creating mankind as almost like a slam to their enemies. Like we're going to be creating this slave race to mine all of our gold and guess what we uh you're in it you're in it you are our slave so that's man, that's the supreme disrespect right there yeah i mean we're going back a long long time and people were being savage back then so they they took a piece of their enemies after defeat and uh i guess genetically uh put them into their slave race right exactly That's crazy maybe took took part of the chemo and part of uh maybe uh, the primates that were on the planet at that time mixed the dna and together created humanity because today in in primates there's only three percent dna separating us so that fits perfectly with that so why did the anunnaki create the humans well like we were saying the one of the reasons that they came here one was their they were avoiding war two was their their planet was in danger of dying because of lack of or because of uh too much radiation so they came in search of gold so that like steve was explaining to create uh, a radiation deflector but these beings didn't come here wanting to do all this work themselves because they just had no interest in doing that so they created this slave race to uh, dig up all the gold, and that was their main objective, was just doing that. So basically, that that is where Homo sapiens came from. Correct. So, and uh, they were hoping that they were doing they, everything was good, and that they, oh, they were just kind of the slave race. They would empty the earth of gold, and then probably you know head back to their home planet or go on to other planets in search of gold. Now. People might say, well, why Why does the ancient Sumerian, why does that have to be the birthplace of history? Well, if you believe that humanity was created there, then that would be the birthplace of everything. It would be the birthplace of civilization. It would be the birthplace of religion. It would be the birthplace of science and war. And from what we know of how long these texts have been buried before they were discovered that it was definitely the birthplace of the written word because there was at one point there was no translation for the text that were being read the written word so it's it is the oldest written word that humans have ever created 
uh, and it has been unearthed, uh, which we'll get to later in the podcast, right? Right. Now, so ancient Samaria, no, no, since uh, we're saying that ancient Samaria is the birthplace of everything, let's just, let's go back a little bit or a long way. Now, the Ziggurat of Ur, which we've, we've talked about in past podcasts, of, uh, we've talked about it on our episode of uh, Stargates. You might want to go back and check that out. Um, now, the Ziggurat of Ur is located in Nezaria, Iraq, and it's a massive 4,000-year-old temple ruin uh, in ancient Samaria. Um, a lot of people believe that it contains something extraterrestrial and some type of technological device or some type of power or some type of knowledge. Now, a lot of people think that we went to the Middle East for oil, and that's just a fraction of the reason. Now, people are interested in esoteric philosophies that we can look at the Freemasons of government. And we can also look at the, the Christians in government. They all believe there's some kind of power to possess. Now, if that was accurate, you know, what kind of power could any group possess if they could prove how humanity was created? Or if they could prove the proverbial beginning, quote unquote, the Garden of Eden. I mean, I would think that that would give any country a leg up but at the same time uh you know it could uh it could really come crashing down on uh on a lot of people's religious beliefs i mean i i i think there would be people that would be crushed that would be uh i can't believe that this was the way i was taught my whole life but they're saying that here's the proof that it's not that way and then you would have other people coming forward and saying that guy's a false prophet he's trying to you know which they would totally be entitled to because within a lot of religions they warn of false prophets coming forward to say that it's not this way and that way or or it could be the complete opposite telling you everything you want to hear so you know there's a lot of things to be within religion for people to be skeptical of, of to hear outside of their realm i guess so the ziggurat of ur is worth being protected it is uh we invaded iraq uh we being the u.s <clears throat> and when we invaded iraq we we rolled uh we rolled baghdad in three days it was a, a massive uh, war effort, and I have to think that some of the generals, or at least some of the troops, were thinking, you know, how did we do this? How was it so easy? And it's not just our style of warfare, but at the time, Saddam had pulled back a lot of his troops, uh, almost the entire uh, division of one of his sections, it was Army, Navy. Yeah, one of those two. <clears throat> um, and put the entire sec section in the ziggurat of Ur and around the ziggurat of Ur just to protect that. This was in the first few days of the of the Iraqi war of you know Desert Storm or or no 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 I'm sorry after uh, after uh, 9/11 Operation Freedom yeah Operation Freedom and we went in there and it, no no matter how many troops he had around it you know the United States they took the ziggurat of Ur and is still in possession of it today still guarding it today. So what is in there? Why why go straight there? What, there has to be something of importance. I mean, if, if 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 all the points are leading to the beginning of life or the proverbial beginning is here uh, along the Tigris and Euphrates that flows through today, which is Lower Iraq. I mean, things are starting to you know sound like they could add up in the end. Right, things are starting to take shape. So, if we're talking about the Garden of Eden and we're referring to the ancient text, we might as well break down what the word Eden means in the first place. Um, e, which means home, and den, which means life, which would make sense if the ancient Sumerian text were of extraterrestrial origin, because the Anunnaki came here and were in search of a new home, which they got, they have a new home, and they also created new life as a slave race of humanity. So they have Eden, the home and the life. So that's just breaking down just that one translation right there. To the very core and beginning of, of humanity. Exactly. Now, what it gets even inter more interesting uh, as you go through, like words such as paradise, which comes from the Greek uh, paradisios, meaning enclosure for animals. So that's the actual translation of paradise. So 
if you walk out and you're on your honeymoon and you look out and the water's beautiful, the sun's setting, and you say, oh, isn't this paradise? Meaning, isn't this an enclosure for animals? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that's the actual translation. I mean, in ancient texts, it states men who served the gods worked in the Garden of Eden. They were treated like animals. And there's a clear and reoccurrent theme within the text stating that uh, that slavery was rampant and that the the conditions were almost uh, concentration-like. I mean, they were treated horribly, not fed almost anything. They weren't allowed to have free thinking, have free will. They weren't allowed to do anything but basically mine for gold. Which is what the Anunnaki created them for. Right. But, well, we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit later. Now, so going into a lot of the the whys or how this information came up or came to be. Now, in 1922, there was an archaeologist named C. Leonard Woolley, and he was hired by the Catholic Church to prove that the Bible was accurate and to find uh, the location of the Garden of Eden. Now, he didn't find the Garden of Eden, but what he did find was the, uh, the ancient city of Ur, Okay, so now, but before we go any further, now, if you, re- if you rewind 75 years, so that would take us to 1849, there was thousands of Sumerian cuneiforms that were found in the northwest of, of Ur, and uh, I believe in the city of uh, Sippar in uh, Nepal. And uh, also that year, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Henry Laird, he excavated 20,000 Sumerian and Akkadian tablets and 12 of those tablets were all about the Garden of Eden. So that's just a little basis on, you know, well, where did these texts come from? How were they found? This, that, and the other thing. Now, questions may arise. Well, how did, uh, if they were, if the, if Samaria is the birthplace of the written word and there's nobody, there's no ancient Sumerians around. I mean, how, how are they able to actually translate this? Well, the, uh, the, Assyrian, the Assyrians and the Babylonians thousands of years earlier translated the tablets. It's the only reason that the, tran- or that the tablets can be translated by scholars today. Sumerian was an isolate, basically. It could not be translated by anyone before the uh, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. So if it wouldn't have been for them, we still wouldn't have this information that we could decide to choose to believe or disbelieve, just like uh, you know any freedom of religion per se. Uh, but a lot of this would be lost in history forever, which some could also debate too, that if... Um, that if uh, C. Leonard Woolley was hired by the Christians in the Catholic Church to find the location and to prove the Bible, you know, one could say maybe he, he proved just the opposite with these tablets um, as they were being interpreted. Yeah, um, 20,000. Henry Laird excavated 20,000 Sumerian and Akkadian tablets. That's a lot of written word. That is a lot of written word. And the tablets weren't small by any means. So to, to just say that 12 of those were dedicated uh, just about the Garden of Eden, that's a lot just to talk about that specific location. Because to, um, to the Anunnaki and, the, uh, and to the slaves, I mean, the Garden of Eden wasn't something special like it is in, as portrayed in uh, Christianity. So there'd be like... Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. So moving right along to get get more into uh, the Sumerian translations. Now there's a there's a man named Anton Parks. Now he's written eight books on Sumerian translations, and what he has to say is that all the previous interpretations have all been interpreted wrong. Now, there's also a man named Gary Zeitling. Now, he's a scientist for, he was a scientist for SETI, uh, the study for extraterrestrial intelligence, and he also worked with NASA. Now, he provided Anton Parks with 10 of these tablets that he found in uh, Sapar, uh, and he used uh, a Samaro Arcadian lexicon to actually translate them, which is, you know, uh, for the lack of a better term, well, a dictionary. Okay, 
And the translations not only contain words, but he claims the actual location of the Garden of Eden. Which is fascinating. When you and I were talking about this and the work that Anton Parks had done, uh, what came up was uh, the telephone game. How, I, like you, you right. whisper. Right. Like you, you, you start, like if you're in a classroom, you start at the, the first child and you whisper something in his ear and you say, okay, repeat that exact thing to the child behind you. And it goes all around the room. By the end, it's usually something completely different. So throughout the years, these um, Sumerian texts have been translated and they were translated you know by the ancient babylonians but when anton parks looked at them he said some of these words are the exact opposite of what is written down in these texts some of what we thought was the exact opposite of what is actually written down in these texts right that's actually right and and that that's where we go into um like the uh, the creation of uh, of humanity, I guess would be would be the next would be the next step to go for. Um, this is a uh, this is where the Anunnaki. This is where uh, Anus the Anus were created, a group of gods that were led by two different entities. One named Enlil, who was uh, an angry, dangerous entity, doesn't care about humanity. Um, and then there's another one called Inky. He's the trickster and god of wisdom, and he he loves humanity, and he's all, he he's also known sometimes as uh, as Satan. Um, now uh, Inky he worked with uh, with the genomes. He was the main geneticist, and to create uh, new new works with entities, high priestesses would help him clone. Uh, a kind of humanity and basically whatever Enlil wants. Now Enlil wants a left-brained, well-disciplined human. Uh, doesn't want them having free will, doesn't want them thinking for themselves. He doesn't want any of that. Now they were described as humanoid looking, but they also looked reptilian. They were, and they're depicted in um, in Sumerian um, art as wearing like uh, fish scales, like a head fish head on it with the scales all the way down the back. Because, um, I mean, it can be. You just think if if you're if you're in ancient Samaria and you see and you're a being and you see anything or you're a human that was just created and you're trying to interpret what your God looks like and you don't have the word for that. Um, it's almost going to be like anything they can do or anything like they, how they represent is like magic to you. Um, their, their crafts would be magic. Um, anything that they would do would be magic. It's, it would be magic because you can't explain it. You don't have the language to explain it. You don't have the ability in your brain to think at that level. You're talking about an advanced civilization that is, uh, you know, occupying where your natural territory is and you can't explain what it is that they're doing. So to you, it just looks like a magic trick. Right. Definitely. And now, well, well, let's take a look at um, some similarities between, you know, these ancient Sumerian text translations and, um, you know, some of the stories in, uh, in modern day Christianity in the Bible as such. Now, if you, if you look at what uh, the, Sumer the Sumerian texts are saying that these entities, Enlil and Anki and these other Anunnaki are looking like, that they're of, uh, they look like reptilians. Um, and from like, and I, I think it dated back like almost 300,000 years ago. And uh, so you here you have the, the Garden of Eden, you have these entities that are of uh, reptilian descent look like reptilian covered in scales well now let's let's jump over to christianity with the garden of eden well who do we have there we have the first creation of humanity we have adam and we have eve and so christianity teaches that um they were told that you can have whatever you want in the garden but you can't touch the fruit okay so and if you if you don't do that then you have no worries and then uh, humanity has no sin. But what comes to them in the Garden of Eden? The serpent. Now remember, 
Anki, the trickster, the god of wisdom. He loves humanity. Now, if you recall what his uh, what he was also known as, he also went by the name of Satan. Well, in Christianity, the reptilian serpent was in the Garden of Eden, but he was there to tempt. So it was almost like flipped because Anki, he loved humanity and he was there. Now, what his offering was or his forbidden fruit was, was giving them free will. Now, they had free will, but he wanted to help them be more than slaves. He he wanted more for the for the human race. He wanted to see how they could evolve and, and see what they could possibly become other than just being this slave race. Well, then we go back to uh, the Christianity version. Well, here's, uh, here's the evil, not Satan, but Satan as, as the serpent coming up and, and he is, uh, he's tempting um, Eve, take a bite of the apple. Well, that the proverbial free will and she takes a bite of the apple, so then we're told that's where uh, the first uh, human sin was created. So It's also the first exercise of humans' free will. Exactly. So, I mean, the stories are, are, are linked very, very similarly. and uh, But, I mean, we see this theme all the time in, in our podcast across, no matter what we're talking about, um, ancient civilizations that never communicated with each other, but the scribes on their wall and the pictures on their wall are nearly identical. Their temples are nearly identical. They're all representing some kind of star cluster in the sky. And supposedly these people have never met. There was maps found from roughly around 30,000 years ago, aerial views. Where did the aerial view come from 30,000 years ago? You only can get an aerial view from the air. Exactly. Which is where these uh, ancient beings came from. Exactly. So, now, another similarity between um, the Sumerian texts and um, Christianity in the Bible is, uh, is the story of, uh, of the Great Flood. Now, when uh, in the Sumerian texts, when uh, an Inki or a Satan went into the, the Garden of Eden to help humanity and help them with their free will, um, obviously, word was going to get back to Enlil, who, again, was a very angry, dangerous person and didn't care anything about humanity. All he wanted was the gold, fulfill the mission, and do whatever. So, like we were saying, it wasn't just Enlil and Anki. There was this the whole group of Anunnaki that came and, and helped create mankind. So it was almost like a board of directors. Like an administration. Right, exactly. So when word when Enlil took this information back to the group or the the administration, everybody was was angry. Nobody liked it. So what was stated was that since now these people can choose for themselves, they're not going to be the best slaves they can be. There's only one thing we can do is we can wipe them out and start over. And by, by doing so, they just would create a, a huge flood to come. And now by extraterrestrial beings, that could be done by any means. They could have had a meteor come down, hit into the ocean, create all these big waves, what have you. Um, but that's, that's up for interpretation. So now you switch over to Christianity, and we have, we have Noah. And he's been told, okay, you have to take one of each animal onto the ark. You have to save it because it's going to be raining for 40 days and 40 nights. And, I mean, if you look at these Sumerian gods, and, uh, I mean, uh, Steve and I have really looked into this topic, so we can only fit so much into a podcast. But these Sumerian gods were were said to be between the ages of like four or five and lived to be almost like 900 years old, which is interesting in the story of Noah and the Bible too, because Noah was like, I think he was like 600 years old when God came to him with uh, to tell him to, to build the ark. So uh, 600 years old, I mean... That, that's that's a bit old to be building up something of that magnitude you, to take on that project. And then, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of similarities in the stories. Um, like I said, it, it, there's, no, there's no right or wrong information. We're just giving out uh, what some ancient texts have been interpreted as to be. 
Um, but you know, it's always up for your interpretation. And, uh, I, I like both versions. I mean, both versions I can roll with. I, I'm, I'm not partial to, to anyone I should say. Right. I think that there is, uh, you know, to say that there's a God that, uh, there's a higher being is, is a natural thing. And that's something that, uh, I think a lot of people share that common belief in, but to, uh, kind of put uh, the God that everyone believes in in a pigeonhole and and say that that person is not an extraterrestrial or that person is not from a different star system when when you're talking about a God you're you're looking up at the sky and you're saying that the God is from the heavens uh, the heavens have the stars have always been known as the heavens. You look up at the celestial bodies of the heavens and you're looking up at the stars. So to think that the creator or, um, or a God or, or the God came from the stars is a natural, uh, progression. And it's something that a lot of people share. So just to take it one step further and say that, we kind of figured out what celestial body that God came from and what, uh, beings the what race of beings came down to earth to create humanity it, it's it's a fitting story it really is i mean i myself I, I, i've been raised a christian uh a catholic actually uh my entire life um but I, i'm always open to other interpretations and uh and a lot of times they'll say i'm sorry go no 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 go ahead a lot of times they'll say that uh the human race uh, was created in god's image and to have, uh, you know, a humanoid type of extraterrestrial visit the Earth and interject their DNA into the humanoid type creatures that were there at the time, if there was, uh, you know, apes or some type of primate that was evolving and then there was an interjection of an extraterrestrial dna that would kind of give human beings their specialness or their ability to reason or their free will or whatever it is you know that it's just one chromosome different that that's special and it's it's, it is i mean if if you're talking to somebody that's an it's an ancient astronaut theorist, and then you're talking to somebody that's a that's a priest, they could sit down and they could have a pretty pretty interesting conversation. Now the priest is probably, is going to go with the story of um of uh of Mary and how she she was uh she was a virgin and uh, she became pregnant with uh with Jesus. Um, angels came down and told her, "Fear not." Um, but you're going to carry a baby and he's going to be the son of God. And, um, she was, obviously she was worried that, you know, being that she had never been with man before, how was her husband going to take this news? Well, Joseph was then visited in a dream by these, by the same angel saying, you know, fear not. Um, she is with child and and his name is, uh, his name is going to be Jesus and he is going to be the savior. Now, priest gets done with his story you could have the ancient astronauts theorists say okay yeah we're going to go with the same story there was you know uh, we'll say mary and then she was visited by well now she said angels but maybe she say that these beings came down from the heavens oh yeah so maybe these extraterrestrials came down she said they flew down okay because what other word would she use to explain they then took half of their DNA mixed it with her DNA. And then the child that they had that she gave birth to with Jesus was, uh, was a hybrid extraterrestrial half human. And a lot of, and the argument could be there. Maybe that's how he was able to do these miracles, these, these unearthly things, make the blind see. Um, but again, I'm not siding with uh, one side or the other, but those are both sides of the coin. I mean, both stories I mean, for somebody that had never heard religion or have heard these, and you produced both sides, they'd be like, hmm. Well, yeah, just the way they communicated with Joseph. Uh, a lot of aliens, <clears throat> a lot of extraterrestrials that are out there, uh, a lot of the depictions, a lot of the eyewitness sightings and the recreations and the drawings, the aliens and a- the ETs, they don't even have mouths that when they communicate, they communicate uh, – 
what's the word faults uh, with like ESP right so they don't even they don't even use uh, audible vocabulary they just go into your mind which would be like communicating with joseph in a dream yeah exactly Because how else would he explain that he doesn't have words to say esp right i mean in the in the in the experience would have to be really really lifelike like it couldn't just be a dream and he couldn't have been like man had this dream last night that but i know you're not pregnant no i am (laughs) i mean it, it had to be where like it probably woke him up out of a dead sleep and was like wow I know, I know the quote unquote truth now. Right. Like it was implanted in my brain. Right. Uh, I mean, just so, so many different similarities. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it's a really great topic to, um, to discuss, you know, one instru- one interesting, uh, similarity that I found between, uh, or that we found, uh, between the Bible and, um, ancient Sumerian text too, is the, uh, to speak of uh, the end of days, you know, the Bible says, calls it a, you know, revelation in the judgment day where God will come down and he will judge if you've been good, then you go to, you know, you live for eternity or go to heaven, all body and soul and things of that nature. Um, I don't even think that we, that we covered where the Anunnaki, Enki and Elil uh, were supposedly even from. But if you've ever heard of uh, Planet Nibiru or Planet X or the 12th planet, uh, it goes by many names, Kingdom of the Heavens and such. Um, That, too, is part of the Sumerian text, which Nibiru could end up being the end of days. And here, I'll I'll just give you what I mean, because you have to ask, is Nibiru real? And you know, the answer to that could be a resounding yes. Um, you know, there are those that believe that the Anunnaki of Nibiru are coming back to Earth. Um, and they believe soon. They believe that Planet X is going to pass by Earth in May or June of 2030 on its 3,600-year orbit around the sun. Now, such believers are terrified of the consequences that a close pass by Nibiru might bring. Now, they fear that this will cause earthquakes, tidal waves, severe flooding, food shortages, and due to climate conditions, diseases, meteor firestorms, volcanic eruptions, and things of the like. And they're afraid that it will result in great catastrophic infliction, a loss of life on Earth. So that sounds very similar to the end of days, because if you're saying at the revelations that God's going to be the judgment of, of everybody and... Uh, the good will go on and the, and, the, and the bad won't. Well, here, this is just uh, basically saying, because in Revelation it says Jesus is going to come back and judge. Well, in here, the Anunnaki are referred to as the God. They're going to return one day. And when they do, they're going to judge and there's going to be catastrophic events. Well, here we go. Just another, another similarity uh, in between uh, the ancient Sumerian text and the Bible. And like we've said, I mean, there, there's similarities in, in all religions that, that, that we can link. Um, but yeah, you know, Steve, jump in here. You got anything you want to you add to the Anunnaki, Nibiru, anything? Yes. Yeah, so Nibiru is believed to have uh, an oblong or like an egg-shaped um, uh, rotation around the sun. So it's believed that you could mathematically predict where it is in its, um, what is it called when a planet goes around the sun? Orbit. Yeah, in its orbit. So it has a 3,600-year orbit around the sun, and it, it seems weird at first, but actually that's how they discovered Uranus. Before we had the optics to look out that far, mathematicians were able to take uh, equations that they created that had to do with physics and gravity and predict where that planet was going to lie in our solar system. And current day scientists have been using mathematics to predict this oblong orbit around the sun for a planet that they're not familiar with because it hasn't been around for so long. Right. We didn't have enough intelligence collectively to understand what it was last time it was around but if you look at 
the predictions like Foltz was talking about of what it's going to be like when it gets here with the increased volcanic actions, uh, increased earthquakes, tidal waves, extreme weather, tornadoes in places that they've never been in, flooding. All of those things are currently happening. Uh, the earth is heating uh, slowly. You know, you can't really feel the degrees that it's moving upward now, but it's undeniable that the weather has become more extreme. So there's a lot of people that kind of put that similarity between the end of days and revelations and the end of days uh, because Nibiru is approaching together. And it, it kind of makes sense to me. It does. I mean, regardless if you're, uh, you know, an extremely religious person, I mean, uh, w one can't really argue, I mean, the similarities between the stories. Now, nobody has to say uh, what you believe is right or or, or not. But, uh, yeah, it definitely offers up um, an interesting theory. And, you know, it's not too far-fetched to say that, you know, that there would be uh, this 12th planet Nibiru out there. Um, if you're a fan of uh, John Lear, he's got a theory. Um, and if anybody would know John Lear would, I mean, he's part of his family started the, the Lear jet. Um, he used to work for, um, deep state, uh, operations like, uh, skunk works and stuff like that, creating special aircraft. Um, he knows of back engineered UFOs. Now he's stated that we've been lied to about there being what, eight planets, nine planets with Pluto or whatever. That he's saying that in within our solar system alone, there is 40 planets that we haven't been made aware of, and that most of those planets that Earth has been um, trading goods with, communicating with, traveling to, a lot of them have Earth-like people on them because they were seeded by uh, the same uh, extraterrestrials, the Anunnaki, or or similar races, um, but. That, that all depends. I mean, I have no reason to not believe John Lear. Why would somebody with such stature come out and say these things? I mean, he's worked in deep state. He, you know, so you would think that he would definitely have the inside scoop. You know, uh, Fultz, in the prep for this one, you brought up the Akashic Records. And it strikes me in the same way. Because we all have that question, you know, where do we come from? Where are we going? How are we all connected? Why does it feel like we're connected with the universe and the Akashic Records? If you haven't uh, listened to that podcast, please go back and, and listen to that one because it, it is a way that intelligence is connected between the universe and it, it's, it feels like this story. Right. It's like basically in a nutshell, the Akashic rec Records is like a cosmic internet superhighway that when you've reached some type of mm, awakening or elevation in your spiritual journey if you can you can really tap into that and the akashic records is basically anything that's ever happened through space time no matter when where is recorded in here and some some people have said that they are able to access it um, and get information from it. Um, some of those people, uh, like Tesla, said he was contacted by aliens. Um, Elon Musk, probably. Right, and uh, like Alexander Graham Bell, I uh, forget the Italian's name, but those two guys creating the telephone at the exact same time, it's kind of a, a way, I think, for... Uh, an ET class to beam information down into humanity, uh, whether it's one person or multiple people, it kind of feels like if you look at uh, languages or uh, the technology that one part of the world has, like Chinese technology compared to um, English technology or Russian technology, it seems like we're all evolving it at the same rate and the same pace. And you have to wonder how everyone can be so similar. Yeah, and, you know, I would think that it has something to do with along the lines of the Akashic Records, how we're all connected in some in some way. Um, we're all consciousness. We're all beings of some creation. And, um, <clears throat> and who's to even say that, let's say that the Sumerian text is 100% accurate and that everything they said, well, that shouldn't, that shouldn't have any uh, effect on your faith. 
because just because they came down and and created quote unquote humanity by mixing DNA, that doesn't mean that there's not some other higher power out there controlling or looking over and foreseeing everything. It's just that maybe we weren't told the entire story because look how these these stories intermingle with each other, but look how they have like similar differences too, like um, like um, and uh, Anki and Elil, for example. Um, you know, they were they they got them backwards as far as uh, Christianity and the in the Garden of Eden, saying that uh, the evil one Satan was coming to uh, you know entice uh, Adam and Eve, where you know. Anki, he was a trickster. He was a god of wisdom, but he loved humanity. But yeah, he was an extraterrestrial that looked like a reptilian. And he was also goed by the name of Satan. And so it looks like maybe some long along the way Christianity was like, maybe we have to demonize this to try and shelve this information. That's or, just a suggestion. It's just a theory. Or that Anton was right. And that some of these words were interpreted uh, Anton Parks believed that the words were interpreted to mean exactly the opposite of what we thought they meant. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's it's where just that, a progression. It's a progression. It's a misunderstanding. It's a, uh, it's a battle of egos. It's a, I'm right. You're not, I won't concede. Even if I feel like you produced a good argument, I'm still like, well, I have a lot of books out there on the other subject. So, but you know, it's like we were talking about earlier too, with the game of a uh, game of telephone, where the information changes over hands over you know decades, millennia. Well, the Bible was written three hundred years after Christ uh, was crucified. Now, how many of you can remember what you did last week? And how many times have you told a story, or someone's told a story, and it's been embellished a little bit, or they forgot this detail or that detail? And it's like, well, that story changed a little bit. Well, we haven't even lived that long yet. And can you imagine what's happened over 300 years in interpretations? And people have added on. I mean, there's proof that there's scholars that have actually made up, for the lack of a better term, BS and published it in books just because they said, well, that's my theory. And some of them we still believe to this day just because they were stubborn and they wanted that in their dictionary or their encyclopedia or whatever. That was over five generations later. Yeah, five generations. Five generations. The stories are going to change. They're going to get warped. They're gonna. They're not going to have the factual basis that they started with. Sure. I mean, yeah, we have some. We have a lot of written history here in this country. But look, I mean, the Civil War was what, like two hundred two hundred years ago. Okay. Yeah, we we, we know the outcomes. We knew the, of the the atrocities, the slavery, the awfulness of that. But we don't really know a whole lot about what day-to-day life was and this and that or what stories were passed down through then or what, what was talked about then, which is completely different now. Can you imagine going back there now with some of, some of the, the – even just the slang of today? You, know, you go back there and be like, oh, man, that's sick. They'd be like, no, 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 we're, we're better now. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's – just, it's, uh, America's not even 200 – we haven't celebrated our 250th uh, anniversary yet. And to think of what it was like for the founding fathers, you know, back in 1776 compared to what daily life is like today. And that is uh, less than the time that the Bible was written after Jesus died. Right. And, you know, and, and there, there is, there's missing, there's missing books to, um, to the Bible too, that, that have been removed. And, you know, one of them is, uh, is the, the book of Enoch and the book of Enoch goes through just about everything that we just discussed tonight. Um, you know, that Anton Parks and Zachariah Sitchin and, uh, just this whole story of, uh, of the Anunnaki and coming down and basically seeding earth and creating humanity. Um, I don't know about you, Steve, but, uh, the, uh, it's pretty evident. I mean, it looks pretty clear. I mean, uh, I mean the, the jury's still out, but, uh, you know what? I, I can't turn my nose up at this information because, you know, people, it's always said that, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. I mean, if we can believe, and, and I mean no disrespect by this, if we can believe the stories in the Bible about a 700-year-old guy building a ship or, you know, just anything else, well, then the possibilities are endless as far as the universe goes, I mean, w- which we don't even fully understand. 
this is one of those subjects that the more you look into it, the more it seems to fit with what it is that you feel like could have actually happened. Right. Now, uh, these Sumerian texts go into, you know, some serious, serious depth. And and there are some other um, entities uh, that, you know, you can look up that did have have some different roles in the Sumerian texts. We were breaking down the meat and potatoes and, and getting, you know, the, the good solid facts, the good stories, the interpretations from the tablets and, and the cuneiforms and and all that and we just wanted to share this perspective just to maybe challenge your thinking just a little bit think outside the box maybe you're already fully on board with this maybe you're a little bit on the fence maybe you've never even heard of it before well then perfect well here's some information that can uh if it's triggering your curiosity or your interest all right well we just lit that little flame go do a little bit more research on your own and uh you know, you be the judge. You tell us. We wanted to let you know that it's out there. It's out there, and in, in, in typical Subtle Beast fashion, you know, we got to bring it to you. We got to bring you everything that could possibly be questioned and bring you the information, bring you both sides of the argument, and uh, let you be the judge of that. This was a tough one, folks. This was a tough one. This one took, whoo, this one's been on the board for a long time. And the, the, the days that we spent gathering this information, this might be the most that the, I've written the and The most typed. researched. Uh, you know, we probably pushed it so much because we knew that what level of research it was going to take to dig down as far as we did into this. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were very close to recording this episode one time, and that recording session just basically turned into another homework session for this because it's so <laughs> complex and there's so many different interpretations and you got to find just the right information and uh you know keep the interest keep it exciting and i think that i think we did that tonight i think it came through i think it was portrayed well i, I think so too i had a great time with this episode i'm looking forward to all the forward episodes that that we have um please uh continue to uh, share our podcast on on social media we're out there on instagram we're out there on facebook share our page with your friends and family uh your co-workers let's let's get these conversations out there let's create these different conversations that people aren't talking about on a regular basis um subtlebeastpodcast.com has every episode that we've ever done uh, and if you have someone that is unable to get to a streaming platform like iHeartRadio or um, Apple Music or Google, Google Play, Play or Spotify any of the wonderful places that we're located, then please direct them or you yourself can go directly to SubtleBeastPodcast.com and you have access to over 55 full-length episodes from Fultz and I for, with Subtle Beast. Right, and uh, we should say that the the website isn't fully done yet. There are some things that are under construction, and it's going to be coming, and uh, we'll announce a full launch of it. Um, so, yeah, please go out there and take a look at it, see what we have so far. Please continue to uh, support us if you haven't gone out and given us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Please do that because that's really helping <clears throat> helping our cause and really helping me and Steve uh, create some really exciting things in the future. I know we keep saying that. We can't drop any hints just yet, but we have some some uh, really, really fun and uh, exciting news coming up in the future, and we can't wait to share it with you. Um, had a great time with everybody tonight. Steve, as always, it was a blast. Um, great time, Foltz. And until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.